Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Hope you're all well this morning. Welcome to church. It's great to be here together. Um, I'm doing something very important today. Um, Very, very important. Something that I think that probably all uh, men need to do. Um, And that is, I'm going to Frozen the Musical. Uh, By myself. No, not really. I'm going with my daughter and family. Um, But it is more about me going than them, let's face it. So uh, I'm going to Frozen the Musical. Evie at the moment, my daughter, she is uh, obsessed with Frozen. She's obsessed with the movies, the boots, the clothes, the songs. Um, Just... Just all of it. Let it go. Well, on that note, Nairi, I have a little video. You know how people want to show you videos of their kids and you're like, oh, great. Uh, Well, that's what I'm doing to you this morning. Um, So here's a video of my kid doing cute stuff. So that was, uh, that was part of a much longer video clip, but I uh, didn't want to subject you to that and for you to have to be like, oh, thanks, that was great, you know. Um, so that was just 29 seconds. But, yeah, she's obviously very obsessed with Frozen and, you know, the way that Evie reacts to Frozen stuff, anything Frozen related is really cool. Uh, she, just, she just freaks out. She just is like, wow. Oh. She, she, uh, the other day, uh, Emily and Daniel gave her a Frozen towel. Uh, it was like second-hand frozen towel. It's not even a new frozen towel. And I, sh- I showed it to her and she literally was like, frozen, wow, frozen. Ah! She had this like criminally insane laugh going on and, and she, just, she just loved it. She just froths it. She absolutely just thinks frozen is the most amazing thing. So today is going to be really interesting. But um, that reaction <coughs> that Evie has to frozen-related things is an emotion I like to call wonder. And wonder is something that I'm going to be speaking on this morning. What is wonder? Pardon me, I'm still a bit croaky. What is wonder? Wonder is the feeling you get when you experience something remarkable, amazing, miraculous, or even something that is kind of brand new to you. And for Evie, that's frozen. Today at this musical, she is going to go bananas. She is going to go crazy. I'm, I'm not really sure... Uh, it's a bit of a social experiment for our family, what's going to happen today. Um, a personal example for, for me of experiencing wonder, uh, a number of years ago now, Kirsty and I were lucky enough to be able to head to, to Europe and we, we went to France and uh, we experienced or saw the Eiffel Tower with our very own eyes for the first time. I just remember that moment and just being like, wow, there it is. This thing that I see on movies and hear about and other people have seen it and yet I'm seeing it right now uh, for the very first time uh, with my own eyes. For you, it might be something completely different. That experience of wonder might come from something else. It might come from looking at some beautiful scenery like this picture that I'll show here. Um, it might be from seeing a, a painting or something or looking upon the person or people that you love. It might be uh, your wedding day. You may have experienced that sense of wonder of like, wow, 
I get to marry this person. Or many people describe that when their, their, their child is born or children are born, that, that feeling, that experience of holding them for the very first time, thanks, mate, um, that, that, that wonder comes. For me, that didn't really happen because when Evie was born, she looked like a sumo gorilla. Um, and I was more scared than anything. I was like, ugh. Um, but for other people, it's a true story. But for other people, you know, that first time holding their, their child, it's like, wow, amazing. And that wonder comes. Wonder is like astonishment, amazement, excitement and more all kind of clumped together. That sense of awe. And it's powerful. It can move us to tears and reduces us to this childlike state, like this girl here, of awe. And you know, at the beginning of our faith journey, like when we first kind of accept Jesus into our lives, often we feel that sense of wonder towards God. We have this thing of like, wow, Jesus really did what for me? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, gave his life, that, that brutal execution he experienced, he, he gave that up. He did that all for me. I'm now saved. My, my slate has been wiped clean and I'm now pure and whole in his sight. I'm not seen as a dirty, rotten sinner, but I'm called righteous. I'm called more than a conqueror. I'm called a child of God. This is amazing. This is incredible. Thank you, Jesus. And that initial wonder that we experience kind of helps get us through and sustain us through those initial ups and downs that we can experience in our faith and along the way. But then as time goes on, sometimes this wonder wanes. And I have a, a theory. My theory is that in 2022 or 2022 itself has been a wonder waning year for many people. Or at very least, and I, I'm, I'm mindful of those watching online who perhaps are from different states, um, maybe this season has been a wonder waning season from about mm, mid-March 2020 to now. Something happened, I think. Many people have been, uh, I've noticed, sick this year. My, my own family included. We're going on about six weeks of just not feeling right. Um, people have continued to be isolated uh, through having COVID, some are getting COVID for a second or maybe even a third time and having to go through that isolation, running out of sick leave and all kinds of things, trying to navigate working from home and hybrid work from home, work from office. There's no more lockdowns, but plans still change like that. I'm seeing flights getting cancelled all the time and, not, and it's not Tiger Airlines cancelling it anymore that you kind of go, oh yeah, that's expected. It's like Qantas and Virgin uh, cancelling flights and people going, well, what the heck? Lack of continuity is uh, really hurting a lot of things. Maybe you find that in your own life. I know our Seaview campus down south has been doing amazing things. Just recently, they had, I think three weeks ago, they had 97, I think, people uh, at a service, which is probably one of the highest amounts of people they've had at a service for like, yeah, literally ever, maybe five, ten years, maybe longer. Um, that church, to put that in perspective, when Kevin and the team first went down there, when I first got here in 2020, uh, you know, it was probably hitting around 40, 50 people. Um, and they had 97 people at church and, and, and amazing. And yet a week later, uh, they had 40-something uh, because half the church got COVID. <laughs> and then the following week, uh, the other half of the church got COVID. And so, including Kev and, and Alex and the family. So, continuity, it's been very difficult to get a run on with anything I've found. I don't know about you. Uh, progress, therefore, has felt quite difficult on any front. Uh, if you're not feeling like progress is difficult, just ask anyone who's trying to build a house right now. 
Cost of living's gone up. Food, fuel. I never thought I'd be saying, look, $1.93, quick, get in. <laughs> fill up that tank. And then let's go home, get my car and fill that one up too. $1.93, what a bargain. Rent, so many people we've talked to, their rent's gone up by 10, 20%. Interest rates, etc. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but there's now a war going on. Um, there's been elections, state and federal, which I find quite exhausting. Uh, all the ads and the he said, she said, and la la la. Uh, and in just this past week, we've seen communities ripped apart yet again by floods. We've seen Boris Johnson finally resign. And we've seen Japan, uh, the uh, former Prime Minister of Japan, uh, get assassinated. And this is all before taking into account anything that you've got going on personally. Those are just things that affect kind of all of us, more or less. All the concerns and the things that have been kind of piled on top of every single person, on top of whatever things you've got going on in your personal world, your family, your life, your health, etc. And so over recent years, I think many have found wonder evaporating. And I wonder if you've found yourself in that boat at times. The good news is, though, that if that's you, maybe you've come to church this morning and you're, you're in that boat right now. You're like, man, I'm, I'm like feeling like I'm on my last legs right now. Wonder doesn't have to stay lost. That is the good news. Wonder doesn't have to stay lost. And I believe there's an invitation from God this morning to rediscover wonder again, or at least hold on to hope or have hope that it can return. The reason that wonder wanes, I attribute to kind of tongue-in-cheek, jokingly, to things called wonder killers, which are these overarching detractors from our wonder, things that come in and they steal, kill and destroy that sense of wonder. And there are, there are so many, there, there are quite a lot of them, there are many of them. But in the Bible, I, I see some examples of them. And, and in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, there's three that we can see in this passage. Specifically, three wonder killers. But the good thing is we can also not just see the wonder killers at play and how they affect us, but also hints on how we can beat them uh, with God's help and through Jesus. So I'm going to read this text and then I want to unpack uh, these three wonder killers and how we can tackle them head on uh, with Jesus. Does that sound okay? Everyone all right? No one's asleep yet? It's good. Luke 10, 38 to 42. It's the story of Mary and Martha. You may be um, familiar with it. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So the wonder killer number one uh, that I see, very obvious one, is distractions. Wonder killer number one is distractions. The text tells us Mary, uh, sorry, Martha was distracted. Now, something really interesting about this text is that it's Martha who initially lets Jesus into the home. It's not Mary, it's not Lazarus, who's their brother that you don't hear about there, but it's, it's not anyone else, it's not any of the guys, it's, not the, it's, it's, it's Martha. Martha's like, Jesus, I want you to come and hang out. I want you to be here 
uh, in my house. But then she proceeds to kind of accidentally ignore him because she gets distracted. That word distracted is translated from uh, kind of a group of Greek words that mean to draw away, to be driven about mentally, to be overoccupied, too busy about a thing, to be distracted with cares, to be troubled and to be distressed. And my question for all of us this morning is, are we so different? Are we so different? In, at, in 2022 or over the season that has been, have you found yourself being drawn away, being driven about mentally, overoccupied up here about a thing, distracted with cares, troubled, distressed about the things that you've got to do, all the various stuff that is going on in your world? After initially being keen to let Jesus into our lives, have we allowed at any point uh, 2022 to draw us away from that initial wonder that we experienced when we welcome the Lord into our lives. Now, Martha's main distraction here was doing good stuff to impress Jesus. And on another day, I'd preach a whole message just about that. But the similarities for us are that our distractions aren't always bad. I think when we think of distractions, we think, oh, you know, you're, you know you're not spending time with Jesus because you're too busy, I don't know, going out and partying or something. It's not like that. A lot of the distractions, most I would say of the distractions in our lives are good things that actually need to be done. You're trying to be a good worker, spouse, son, daughter, friend, father, mother. You're trying to get your kids to their extracurriculars, their jobs. You're trying to parent well, do all those kinds of things, maintain friendships. But not only those, they're the things you've kind of always got to do. Now there's all the 2022 stuff on top of that. You've also got to try and emerge from a pandemic, whatever that means. Have you heard that term? We're emerging from the pandemic. Okay. <laughs> How do, do I have to do an action? Like, what is emerging? Anyway. I just, it's one of those buzzwords that gets thrown around a lot, emerge, and it's like, don't feel very emerging right now. You're trying to plan holidays because you haven't had many um, over the last few years and because every time there's been a chance to, something's gone wrong or you've been isolated or there's been a lockdown or, or whatever, and then you're like, all right, do we have to, how do we do this? Do we isolate before we go on our holiday? Because I don't want my holiday to be ruined by like literally every day we're leading up to it. All right, we've crossed one more day off because, all right, no one's got COVID today. No one's got the flu today. No one's got hand, foot in mouth today. No one's got a cold today. No one's got gastro today. Oh, thank God, we can still go on our holiday, counting down the days. And yes, we finally got there. We finally got to our holiday. And then little Timmy starts spewing everywhere. And you're like, no, holiday over. So you go and do we isolate before our holiday? And then that takes you more away from from things. It's really difficult, but it's understandable. I get why people are doing it. <coughs> You're trying to sort out your new normal with your budget, um, especially if you own a diesel car. Um, you're trying to sort out your life and your routine. You were half working from home, not. You maybe, maybe you've even lost your job. There's just things going on in your life that are very different, pressures uh, that you didn't have before. And maybe you're still trying to hang by a thread to your involvement and attendance at church as well. These distractions are not evil. Many of these things are good. You should have a holiday. You should be with your family. You should run your kids to their extracurriculars and their jobs and all those kinds of things. They're all good things. But like with Martha, these concerns, if left unchecked, can draw us away from a wondrous reality. And that wondrous reality for Martha is that Jesus was in her house. 
Jesus was literally right there in her house. This, and, and think about it back then, like Jesus was, you know, person walking around. So he, he wasn't everywhere at once. And, and, and she had the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in her house and, and, and ignored that because of all the good things that she was distracted with, right? Her wondrous reality was Jesus is in your house. He's not at your next door neighbor's house or anyone else's house. He's not in Galilee. He's not over there. He's with you in your house and, 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 and you're kind of not even paying attention to him. Our wondrous reality is that Jesus is with us all the time. Jesus is with you. Jesus lives in you. Galatians 2.20, Paul wrote, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That is our wondrous reality. And these, these wonder killers come along and they distract us from this. They distract us from the fact that the most wondrous thing has happened. We have been joined to Christ in spirit and he is with us, in, uh, within us. So how do we beat distraction. We beat it through dedication. And dedication doesn't mean work harder, be better. Dedication means being dedicated to Jesus more than the stuff, returning Jesus to his rightful place as the king of our world and our lives, not the guy who gets the dregs. There is a, a, uh, a hymn that has been really speaking to me lately. It's called Be Thou My Vision from the 8th century. And, and one, of this, one of the verses goes like this. It says, Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou art. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou art. All the other stuff is good. All the other things we've got to do, many of them are good. Many of them are necessary. But only Jesus can be our treasure. And he deserves his rightful place as number one in our world. So practically, what does dedication look like? Does it mean quitting everything, pulling your kids out of all their sports and their jobs and you quitting your job and just going, righto, <clears throat> Nick said I need to put Jesus number one, so now I'm going to be a monk. Um, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it, it, it starts with questions like, what does Jesus want for me? What does Jesus want for my priorities? What is what potentially needs to change in my world? What attitudes need to be surrendered to him? Because I had the realisation that I spend a lot of time thinking, what do I want? Can I at least spend a little bit of time thinking, what does Jesus want? What is his desire for me and my life and my family? And yes, maybe that'll lead to sacrifices, but I'm submitting that to him, not allowing my um, limited brain to sort that out. Now, one thing I did want to add that's important on this note of dedication and distraction is that Jesus didn't scold Martha for being distracted. Jesus didn't say, Martha, you idiot. You are a loser and I hate you. Get out of your own house. This is my house now. Jesus didn't scold Martha at all. And he didn't even say, like, Mary's better than you, ha ha. He didn't even bring it up with Martha. Martha's the one who started the conversation. But Jesus' insinuation once that conversation started is that, Martha, your relationship with me needs to be more valued than your time on the stuff, than your, than your concern about the stuff. My dear Martha, you were worried and upset over all these details, the distractions. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, me, Jesus. Because at the end of the day, Jesus knew that once the dinner was done, what would be left? 
Just a whole bunch of dishes and no Jesus in the house. For us, an important question is once all our cares are over, once we've completed all our errands, once we've done all the things we need to do in our, in our day, in our week, in our weekend and whatever else, what's left? Where will our relationship with Jesus be? What profit is it to us to be doing all these good things and lose Jesus? Not because he's gone anywhere, but because we have drifted. We can't let what's good constantly and consistently draw us away from what's best. Let's put him in his rightful place. Jesus, what do I need to do? How do I need to form my life around you, King of Kings? The wonder killer, so that was uh, wonder killer number one, uh, was distraction and we beat it through dedication. Not working harder, but just putting Jesus back in his rightful place. Wonder killer number two is people, or rather a people focused. A people focused that's not a good one. Lots of coughing this morning, I'm just joining in. Now, husbands and wives, have you ever been in this situation before? You can put the next... uh, Have you ever been in a situation, I'm not going to say who because I don't want to be sexist, where you are doing some housework, you're doing the vacuuming, and your spouse is reclining on the couch, watching TV and drinking a drink and having a great time. And you're like, and you're not focusing on what you're doing because you're focusing on how annoying it is that they're on the couch while you do the housework. And so what you do is you go over and you're like, I've been dropping hints all day. If we just did this together, it would go a lot quicker, right? And so what you do is you go over to the couch and you start vacuuming extra hard right where they're sitting. And if your vacuum's got a a double suck function thing like ours does, you, you put it on that one so it's really loud. Whilst they're trying, and you, and you get in the way of the TV, right? And they're like, oh, can you just, can you move please, babe? And, and you're doing that. This actually doesn't happen in our house, believe it or not. But I know it does happen in life. Um, but pretty much, anyone? No? All right, so pretty much this is what Martha is experiencing in this text. She's doing a meal preparation, sorting things out, whatever. And over time, she's just more and more aware that, hey, flippin' Mary is doing nothing. She's just sitting there at Jesus' feet while I do all this work, right? She's, She's doing all this work, all these good things, but she's brooding the whole time because she's watching Mary. At one point in her preparation, Martha approaches Jesus and says... Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Martha scolds Jesus. Make no mistake. She is saying, Jesus, what are you doing letting my sister get away with this? She's not happy. She's literally saying to the author of all creation, oi. (laughs) Now, This is where I can see that sibling rivalry comes into play and I'm very thankful for being an only child when I read this this story Uh, because siblings are wild, man, when it comes to this stuff. Like Martha has the son of God in her house and she's more focused on her sister and what her sister is doing. And I just wonder, if Mary wasn't there, would Martha have even had a problem? 
If other people aren't around you doing certain things, would you even have a problem? Martha, what Martha didn't realise is that her focus on Mary was killing her wonder. And we can be the same. And we're the same in two ways. We get two different people focuses. One is comparisons where we get frustrated with our situation because of someone else's. You know, recently I've been relatively unwell and I've got to be honest, there's times where, you know, someone would get the flu and they'd get over it really quick and I'd be like, oh, hope you get it again. (laughs) So I'm like, how come I can't get over it quickly? This is annoying, you know, and I'm I'm getting all grumpy and I've got colleagues telling me I'm grumpy and... (laughs) You know, wife going, you know, where's my, where's my husband gone? And, and I, I'm just like, I was just, I was being such a grumpy bum. I really apologise to everyone. Um, because you just get, you know, in your, when you get bogged down in your situation, doesn't matter how short or chronic it is, you start to, you start to grumble about everyone else's situation, right? So we get bogged down by comparisons. James, James 3.16 says, For wherever there is jealousy, envy, focus on others, And selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind because it's a slippery slope from going, oh, yeah, I hope the flu comes back, all the way through to actually just thinking ill of others. Then also we get the the other people focus on the other end of the spectrum is people-pleasing. Very common. People uh, pleasing everyone except Jesus. Oh, I've got to make sure everyone's happy. And then Jesus is kind of last on the list and for some reason we, we never quite get to him. Galatians 1.10, Paul wrote, If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Uh, because people, what, what people need and want is often, or sometimes I'll say, quite different to what Jesus wants. Both of these things, comparisons and people pleasing, take our eyes off Jesus as the number one and put it onto people and not in a positive way, in a negative way. So how do we beat this wonder killer of people focus? We beat it through perspective. What we notice about Mary as opposed to Martha is that Mary didn't have these concerns. Mary wasn't worrying about what others thought. In fact, Mary, being at the, at the feet and in the same room and at the feet of this rabbi Jesus, the rabbi of rabbis, um, was culturally inappropriate. It was culturally unacceptable for her to be where she was in that room. That room would have mainly uh, had, had men uh, that Jesus was teaching and Mary, Mary didn't care about that. She was in the room, she was sitting at Jesus' feet and she's sitting there learning and being taught. And she, she, all the other voices were being drowned out because she was listening to the voice of Jesus. She was with Jesus and his voice drowned out all others. Now, application-wise of of gaining perspective, time with Jesus for Mary literally meant being at his feet, listening to him, you know, because he was right there. For us, it's time in the Word and time in conversation with God, Uh, prayer and and Bible. And and I know that sometimes when the preacher, you know, brings up prayer and Bible, it's like, oh, here's the preacher telling me prayer and Bible again, prayer and Bible, I already knew that. Um, But the thing is, I think if I was the devil, I would really do whatever I could to make us think that prayer and Bible is cliché. Because they're our biggest weapon, the Word of God and the fact that we have this communion ongoing with God forever that, that, you know, Old Testament times, this was not a thing and we just take it for granted that we can just commune with the King of Kings daily, any moment we just have direct access to him. Uh, And I would want that to feel cliche, but it's not cliche to get into the Word and to get into prayer because time with Jesus is the only thing that truly changes our perspective. 
And we have proof of this. I can show you because with Martha, we see later on in time, John chapter 11, she's actually one of the first people in the whole of Scripture to declare Jesus is the Son of God verbally. I think Peter was maybe the only one that beat her, other one that beat her to it. But Martha, an uneducated person in this first century context, says, Jesus, you are the son of God because her perspective had changed from that day where she was preparing the dinner because she'd spent more time with Jesus. She'd been in his presence. And then later again in John chapter 12, Martha, this is even cooler, she's back serving. Jesus is at their house again and she's serving. She's doing the dinners. She's preparing the the pheasant or whatever they ate. She's doing all the kinds of things that, that she needs to do, but they didn't eat pheasant. I've just realised they wouldn't have had pheasant. Um, I just am like, pheasant, Nick, really? Just go with chicken, man. But they probably didn't even eat that. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Bible college taught me nothing. So in John chapter 12, she's doing all the preparations once again. Bread. We'll go with that. Bread. She's preparing bread. And Mary, once again, guess what? Ding, ding, ding. Mary's at Jesus' feet again. It's almost like this repeat situation. But guess what? Martha doesn't get annoyed this time. Martha's like, cool. Because she realises, hey, I can do the good things and be with Jesus and be okay with other people being with Jesus and be okay with other people having their relationship with God and being happy and not having the flu and all kinds of things like that. (laughs) Martha's changed. Her perspective is different now. And her perspective is different because she spent more time with Jesus. She is with him. Man, I need to hurry up. Sorry, I didn't realise the time. One to kill it. We're going to move on. One to kill it, number three. So we get that so far? People can be a one to kill it and we overcome that through perspective, time with him. And this next one to kill it, the final one is related, complacency. Complacency is a massive one to kill it and kind of leads on from the last one. This isn't one that we see in this text. It's one that we don't see, and that's why I want to highlight it. Complacency is about self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual deficiencies. Unconcerned, apathetic with regard to an apparent need. Complacency says, I'm fine how I am. I don't need more of Jesus. (coughs) Complacency and faith sees us lose urgency and desire to be with Jesus. So things like time with Jesus that bring us perspective go to the bottom of the priority list. And this greatly impacts our level of wonder because we're not even in the room with Jesus to begin with. We're not even with him. We're not even getting there. And Mary, we look at, she intentionally got in the room with Jesus. She took the opportunity to be there with Jesus, it didn't matter who else was in the room. It didn't matter what the social norms were. I'm going to get him. It didn't matter what the social pressures or the home pressures, the expectations that Martha had on her, you know, hey, you should be doing this, 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 this. No, I'm going to get in the room with Jesus because that's my priority. She could have said, I'm fine. I'm all good. Uh, and not all good in the way that Sarah talked about it. All good in the bad way. Um, I'm fine. I'm, I'm busy. I can't be bothered. It's not appropriate for me to take that time to do that. But she didn't. She got in the room. And you know what? Just like Martha, we can see that it wasn't just in this passage that Mary prioritised time with Jesus because in John chapter 11, she runs to Jesus when he requests her. And in John chapter 12, once again, as I alluded to before, she's back anointing Jesus' feet with him at his feet yet again. 
Mary was consistent with getting to Jesus, getting near Jesus and being with him. So how do we beat complacency? We beat it through consistency, consistently carving out time with Jesus. And, you know, when I say that word consistency and time with Jesus, some of you immediately go to routine. And yes, routine's good. But some of you are going, oh, it's a real struggle for me to get up at 7 a.m. and do my Bible reading or to do it here or there or do my prayer time or whatever. You know what? I totally agree. I don't actually know. Um, It does work for some people. But I actually feel in this season, um, and, and if you've got kids or anything like that, if there's anything kind of just a little bit complex about your world, routine is sometimes going to get smashed. You're going to have your 7am, yeah, I want to do my 7am Bible reading and all that stuff and I'm going to get on the Port Life app but then your kid's up from 4am or 2am or whatever it is or you all got hand, foot and mouth and whatever else is out there and and all of a sudden that routine's out the window because you're stuffed at 7am. Consistent doesn't mean static. You're going to need to be dynamic with your routine, with your getting to Jesus. Life is ever-changing, and so our experience, our, our, our getting to Jesus needs to be ever-changing as well. You might need to read or, or, or pray, perhaps, whilst rocking your kid to sleep at night one night. Maybe reading and, and praying in the car when you first get home from your day at work and just spending that, that, those few minutes in the car. All right, I'm, this is the only quiet time I'm going to get because as soon as I walk in the door, I know I've got to be on and helping out. Maybe you've got your audio Bible on in the car on the way to work and then you pray or something on the way home. Maybe reading and praying on your, on your work break and you're like, well, I don't want to look like a weirdo just sitting there talking to myself on my work break. Well, use a journal instead. That can often be even better. Reading and praying is the first or last thing you do in your day. I don't know. I don't know what's going to work for you. But what I do know is do whatever you've got to do to get in the room with Jesus doesn't matter where it is, doesn't matter when it is. Jesus isn't up there going, oh man, like, you, you know, you, you, you're rocking your kid to sleep and, and you're praying with me. Can't you like, you know, get rid of the kid and just spend the time in prayer? No. <laughs> do both. Do whatever you got to do. If that doesn't work, that's fine. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm not doing the mum or dad guilt thing. I'm just saying whatever you've got to do, take any opportunity. This is time I could have with Jesus. I'm going to take that time to have that time with Jesus. You know, I remember uh, in about mid-2018, I I really felt like God spoke to me. And when I say that, I don't mean it in an airy-fairy way. I mean, I just got this sense and I talked to others about it and they kind of confirmed it with me that God was communicating to me that, Nick, if you don't get this time with me opportunistic stuff sorted, if you don't, you know, if you can't sort this out and and have that consistency, you're you're not going to survive this next season. And he didn't mean I was going to die, but I knew that to mean that my faith wasn't perhaps going to last the distance. And I didn't know what was to come. And and honestly, since that moment, it's probably been the the hardest, however many years it's been since then, of my short life so far. But when when God communicated that to me, or or I sensed that, it was like, hey, you're not going to go the distance if you don't if you don't get this time with me stuff sorted. And I think that has never been more relevant than in 2022. I really believe that God wanted to communicate and remind me this morning that, hey, if we can't get this consistency sorted, it's going to be really difficult to keep going in this Christian walk. 
with all the pressures that have been added on you this year, with all the things that are going on even just in your personal life that others don't even know about. We need time with Jesus more than ever. And I felt to remind us that Sunday sermons can't be our main meal. We are called to be self-feeders. You know, um, the the Sunday sermon is like an entree to spur you on to the rest of the week. Um, We eat a main meal Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every other day of the week. And that main meal is the personal time we spend with Jesus. And the reason for that is unless the preacher on a Sunday is Jesus, we are not good enough to sustain your week or your however long that it's going to be until you're back at church again. Unless the preacher is Jesus, I'm putting my hand up. We are not good enough. You need Jesus. You don't need more of Nick Johnston preaching. You need more of the Word of God through you experiencing it personally in your world. The sermons can help. That's great. But we are not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus, and he wants to commune with you through his word in your time with him through the week. So my challenge to all of us is can we carve out 10 minutes consistently per day? Can we challenge ourselves? Can I just do 10 minutes? It doesn't even need to be all at once, 10 minutes per day for Jesus. It can be a a bit at the start, a bit at the end, a bit here and a bit there, whatever it is. Uh, And the way that I'm going to remember it is just saying 10 minutes for Jay per day. Uh, That's super lame. Uh, But if that sticks in your head, I don't care how lame it is. You can check in with your your spouse. Hey, have you done 10 minutes with Jay today? No, I haven't done 10 minutes with Jay today. Oh, you better do your 10 minutes with Jay today. You can do those kinds of things. Keep each other accountable to it because this is important. It'll change perspectives within your relationships as well. And it will help you rediscover your wonder because the more you consume of God's word and that time with Jesus, the more you're going to want the more you're going to desire. Just ask Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10 was just the beginning of their journey. And we see that they craved more and more of Jesus from that point on. So I'll invite the band to come. I'm quickly going to recap and then we're going to worship. Wonder is like astonishment, amazement and more all wrapped up together. And at the beginning of our Christian faith, we often feel that wonder towards God, don't we? We feel that wonder towards God. Jesus, look at what you've done for me. But though that feeling of wonder is always under threat from wonder killers. And we talked about three of them today. The first one was distraction. Uh, Mary, uh, Martha was distracted by all the cares and we get distracted too. But we beat distraction through dedication. Not letting the good get in the way of what's best. Allowing Jesus to be put back in the centre of our world and putting our eyes on him. Being dedicated to asking God, what is your will, Lord God, for my life, my family and my world? The second wonder killer was that people focus. You know how we can get focused on what everyone else is doing rather than on Jesus and what He wants us to do. And so we beat that wonder killer of of people focus by gaining perspective, taking our eyes off those all those other things and people and putting them back on Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12 that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That is the only way that we can throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, he writes. And the word and prayer are key vehicles for this, being able to put our eyes back on Jesus. I would say we can't do it without those things. And the wonder killer number three, which is related, is is complacency. That feeling of, eh, I'm all right. And we beat it by consistency. Complacency says, I'm fine as I am. I don't need more of Jesus. But consistency says, you know what? I'm putting Jesus in my day because I know I need Jesus. 
I know I need Him. I can't do this 2022 flipping post whatever world we're in uh, anymore by myself. I need the King of Kings. And I would pray that we would be like Mary who took any opportunity to get around Jesus. She didn't let anything hold her back. She didn't let people's opinions hold her back or you're meant to be doing this or that. No, I'm going to prioritise Jesus. I'm going to be consistent with Jesus. It doesn't have to be the same time every day, but I'm going to go and be with Jesus. Today, if you're here and you feel that maybe you've gone through a season where you've lost some of that wonder that you initially had for God when you first came to faith. I preach this message not because I want to condemn you or make you feel bad, but because I know that wonder doesn't have to stay lost. It is not gone forever. You can rediscover wonder. And today you can rediscover or or, or have perhaps afresh the hope of its return. It starts today. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. That is a biblical promise. God is never far away, despite what it may feel sometimes, despite what it may seem in this world at the moment. He is not far from you. And so this this, uh, next song, uh, I've actually asked the band to redo that War Cry song. And um, it is an opportunity for us to walk the walk. It is an opportunity for us to declare, as the song does, that God is strong and mighty. He conquers death. He's never known defeat. Not just putting our mind into those words and going, wow, this is, this is a reason to have wonder again. That's like a little kickstarter for us. But also it talks of the battles and that God is fighting for us. And those battles, um, you know, there's, there's battles everywhere at the moment as we talked about. And sometimes these things like complacency and, 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 um, and all the other, the other wonder killers that there can be out there, they don't feel like battles because they're kind of subtle. But they are battles. They are the battles for our faith at the moment and the things that the enemy might be using against us. So I would encourage us this morning, whatever you feel might be killing your wonder, take this opportunity to declare it before God and God, you fight for me. Say, God, you fight for me. You are in the battle for me. And I want to give these things over to you. I want to rededicate afresh to you and put you back in the middle where you belong. So could we stand together as we sing this song and worship this morning? Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.